guys, this is Sue Young, and you're listening to the show that calls it Straight Down the Middle, The Whole Reppin' Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it Right Down the Middle, The Whole Reppin' Show. everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Still, it's still Perry Smith and Darren Beasley, huh? That hasn't changed in 74 episodes, Darren. Holy jeez, I wanted to lick them. I can't believe it. 74 episodes strong. I almost said 74 issues. Uh, 74 <laughs> episodes strong. They haven't replaced us yet. Not yet. Uh, who's they? they? Who's they? they? They, whoever is actually behind this show, it's not us. No, we have puppet masters, folks. We are merely the uh, we're merely the puppets. We um, are merely the talent. We are top guys, right? In, in our own minds, right? Yes, we uh, we don't even own the podcast that we own. It's very it's very sad. Uh, so yes, again, welcome to episode 74 of The Whole Ref and Show. I'm told, uh, I've been told at least 74 times that it's the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, and we've got uh, wrestle news and wrestle views on today's show. Uh, another inductee into the uh, the Hoff WWE's Hall of Fame 2018. We're talking about Emma slash Tennille Dashwood. She's showing up on TV again. Uh, injury- but not in the, she's not in the Hoff. No, she's not in the Hoff. She may hey, not. Hey, hey, and by the way, let's go to the Hoff. <laughs> is that what they're saying? Is that what they're saying? I've always thought that's what they were saying. <laughs> yes. You sure it's not either the Hoff? Or, either that or let's go to the Hoff, the planet Hoff, the ice planet Hoff. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't know what uh, response is more nerdy. Um, are you sure they're not saying the Hop, like the sock hop? Is that what they're saying? Yes, of course. That's what they're actually saying. Okay, they're well, don't yell saying, at me. Let's go to the. Don't hop. yell at me. So, sorry, I don't know the words to the song from the fucking fifties, Darren. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't grow up in the fifties like I did. Oh well, there you have it. Um, injury update for Jason Jordan: a real injury. Uh, which is interesting. And also, WWE is uh, kind of going back on something they started recently, somewhat recently. Recently, in the in the grand scheme of WWE, WWF conception, there might be a return to the co-branded PPVs, a.k.a. network exclusives, the, the NEs. So that doesn't work as well. That doesn't work as well at all. Um, but, one day, but one day it might, because you know what didn't work at all when the first time it ever came out of your mouth? WWE. No, no, I gotcha, I gotcha, fair enough. Uh, and of course, this past weekend, Darren was uh, in Festland, Fest Wrestling Land for Fest Wrestling, and he has a thing or two to say about his time spent in St. Augustine for night one of Love is a Battlefield to Electric Boogaloo night one. Is that correct, Darren? That is absolutely correct. I cannot wait to tell you all about how I feel about that night in the amphitheater in St. Augustine. I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit. I'm chomping at the bit. I don't know why I'm wearing a, a, a bridle and bit, but I am, and I'm chomping at it. Is that what that means, chomping at the bit? Okay. It, it does. Are you sure it doesn't really mean, like, uh, was, it, was this also a 1950s song? Yeah. <laughs> 
chomping at the bit, oh baby. <laughs> Every song from the 1950s has the same melody. Oh, that's good. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> that's good stuff. All right, well, I guess we can't really get into all that stuff until we talk about them. Headlines! Get your headlines! Ivory is not a name you hear very often on WWE television, but you've heard it quite a bit lately um, because Ivory has uh, been announced to go into the WWE Hall of Fame. Darren, your thoughts? Well, it's not just a soap. It is a lady. It is a lady wrestler. Ivory, you know, I remember Glow when I was a kid. And then I remember when Ivory showed up on Monday Night Raw, and I didn't realize that she was that person. I definitely did not realize they were one and the same until we found out much later in the Attitude Era uh, when they actually sort of harkened back to her glow days. But I think of Ivory... Glow days, they'll pass you by glow days. One of uh, Bruce Springsteen's B-sides. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, b- besides Born to Run, there's this song. His, <laughs> yes. his B-sides. Glow Days. Yes, Glow Days. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> no, Ivory, I, I mean, Ivory to me is, she's right there with Trish Stratus and Lita as far as quintessential Attitude Era ladies for the WWF. She is that... You know, darker set, uh, darker blacks, brighter reds, Monday Night Raw. And uh, that's who Ivory is to me. And to a much lesser extent, there's the right to censor bit. But, like, you know, I think about Ivory, I think about Tough Enough. I think about that whole era that she was a part of in which she seemed um, not motherly in a bad way or in an old way. But she always seemed a, a bit motherly. Like, uh, nurturing, whereas uh, the other girls seem much more like, Ew, in your face, here I am for my six. I'm still my six. <laughs> uh, you know, right. On a wrestling TV show, which, of course, Vince McMahon was forcing them to do. Right. But Ivory seemed more like the den mother or like the room mother, you know, like of a kindergarten class or something. And It's probably because she wore, like, the, the school warm clothing like when she was with right to censor so you you probably remember her more so from that era where she was with them wearing well, sure, the, the white and the black and of course i also think of her like i said in tough enough and when i think of tough enough i think of like you know taz being the ball buster and al snow kind of being like the the overlord and then ivory was sort of there to kind of go like it's okay uh, not everybody is a spawn of satan like uh like uh, old Taz over there, <laughs> right? But good, but good for Ivory. I mean, God, she's been in wrestling in one capacity or the other forever. Um, she's a trailblazer in her own right. I don't understand. Sorry, Ivory. Sorry, but I'm going to take this moment to say why not China. Why can we still not have China? What's interesting about Ivory going into the uh, the Huff um, is on this past Raw, they did do like a little uh, a package for Ivory, you know, showcasing all Ivory's past matches and stuff. You you can't see it, but Darren is dancing to uh, the, the Huff uh, while I'm talking right now. 
Um, <laughs> um, it, so, so they show a bunch of old clips of Ivory doing stuff. Again, Ivory existed within the Attitude Era. And they actually do focus on her uh, rivalry with China. So this is the most you hear China's name out of nowhere. I, I think it is kind of like a, all right, all right, reminding you of China, okay? Not now, but, you know, get, get, you want to dip your toe into the jacuzzi? You don't want to jump in completely? So I, I don't think this year, but maybe next year, China might be going in. Um, so, but uh, I, 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 like, I always liked Ivory. I never had an issue with Ivory. I would have loved for a wrestler named Ebony to be with her. Um, <laughs> there'd be a tag team called Ebony and Ivory. Uh, which wouldn't have worked because there were no other women's tag teams at all. Um, but anyway, I, I always thought she was solid and she was definitely good enough on the microphone. I thought she had like a, a, a good, I mean, she's good looking um, without like trying to be overly sexed. Like, you know, some of the ladies may have been like, she, she always, she always, uh, she always seemed very professional and uh, she was attractive, you know, just by proxy because she was attractive. You know what I mean? So she was just a fit woman who could wrestle. You know, what's what's not attractive about that, baby? Um, but anyway, so no, good for her. Again, this doesn't help as far as us feeling old because all these Attitude Era people, you know, are, are starting to go into the Hall of Fame. And it's like, oh, God, I'm old. Um, so we got to hurry up and record this before uh, before Matlock comes on, Darren. Then I got to go to bed. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So well, Matt Luck's already on uh, Eastern Standard Time. I just have it on mute, but I'm watching it. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, looking forward to Matlock going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, uh, yes, me too. Um, <laughs> uh, my question: How did Andy Griffith? He shrunk like four <laughs> or five inches to when he became Matlock, right? I, I. I... Our, our, our listeners must love this show. Uh, so Ivory's going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, she was great. So Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our listeners, our listeners hate us. Um, I, oh, I, I don't know why he shrunk so much, Darren. I can't answer that for you. He did, because Andy Taylor was the tallest dude in Mayberry, North Carolina, but Matlock was the shortest dude in any given courtroom. Just saying. He uh, he shrunk uh, for the role. You know how actors put on weight or take off weight. He uh, he took off inches for that role, Darren. So uh, are you saying that Andy Griffith is played by Christian Bale, the ultimate method actor? <laughs> no, actually, I think Dana Day Lewis might take the cake on that one when he uh, Fair enough. he he like legit hits people when he's fighting people. Uh, and yeah, there, there are plenty of stories about that. But anyway, uh, I can't answer that question. But again, uh, speaking of Andy Griffith, good for Ivory, and uh, we'll we'll see you at WrestleMania, Ivory. Unfortunately, there is a very talented female wrestler. We are almost definitely not going to see at WrestleMania, but you will be able to see much more easily uh, on television than I think was originally anticipated, and that is Tennille Dashwood. The artist formerly known as Emma, making her Ring of Honor debut. Signing with Ring of Honor. Good for you, Emma. Good for you, Tennille Dashwood. Staying in the States. Staying in the business. Staying in the limelight. I think that is excellent. I really don't think a lot of people expected this from her. No, I think a lot of people thought she would kind of just leave wrestling 
Um, like, like may, maybe collect those kind of big paychecks because she's coming off the heels of leaving WWE and showing up at a couple of indie shows. But it, it kind of makes sense that she would just go to a different program. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, she's going to go to ROH. She's going to win the title. And she's going to be on the TV as, as often as they can get her on the TV. Like I've said a thousand times before, if WWE is on your resume, you can basically pick, you know, you can pick your path from the indies. I think you're right, and I think that it's very cool that it wasn't Impact. I think that it's neat that it was ROH. Uh, it wasn't immediate, but it wasn't too long. It was. She's still freshly post-WWE. She's still an extremely hot commodity, a hot post-WWE commodity, and she's a known entity. Um I also feel like uh, Tennille Dashwood, not a bad name. Uh, it's 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 catching enough. It's actually a better name than Emma. And so I think that it will do her um, a great service to be able to have, you know, that name to go by. I think it's going to be beneficial for her um, because she's been part of the WWE machine for so long it's going to be a nice change of pace for her. Also, wrestle some different people, learn some different uh, skills, and kind of it's going to make her grow as a performer. That's for sure. And also, more screen time for her is going to help her grow as a performer as well. So, I mean, it's it's all going to be good. She'll come back to WWE. I mean, she didn't leave in a bad way, uh, but I I think when she does eventually come back, she'll be even better from her ROH experience. Until then, to get us enjoy her ROH. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, but it will be a shame not to see her uh, in these upcoming months as we are on the road to WrestleMania. And there's just going to be a brighter spotlight than ever on all of the uh, wonderfully talented women that wrestle for WWE and their very large women roster these days. And uh, Emma is noticeably absent from that collection of, of talent, and that that's unfortunate. It, it, is, it is very sad, especially considering they had the first ever Women's Royal Rumble, like when Emma leaves. I'm sure she was like, oh, great. Th- thanks, guys. Th- thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, just fire me on Monday after the Rumble. Yeah. Wait, just give me a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Jason Jordan injured for realsies. For realsies? We, we thought for fakesies, for storiesies. No. But no, for real reasons. Jason Jordan out with a neck injury. And what does this do to the Jason Jordan angle angle? Never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> Never gets old. Um, basically, ever since Jason Jordan left American Alpha, it has been downhill for Jason Jordan. Um, you know, doing this whole, he's the son of Kurt Angle, Angle, which no one likes. I think everyone's getting kind of used to it now. So they're like, okay, fine. That's what he is. Um, he, he's, he's unliked, you know, on Raw as a singles competitor. He's just kind of in the way of the wrestlers that you want to actually see wrestle. And, um, he, he, he's become this like annoying child of Kurt Angle, which everyone hates. He, he fills in for Dean Ambrose, who leaves during, you know, the when Rollins has the tag team championship. Um, and, of course, you know, Jordan is the reason why they lose the belts and all that stuff and why they can't get him back. So, I mean, it's, 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 all, it's been all bad for Jason Jordan. People don't like him, and then he got injured. So, <laughs> what, is, what happens to the angle 
Oh, was it supposed to be something going into WrestleMania? I'm sure it was. And I guess that has to be scrapped now because apparently Jason Jordan legit had to get uh, surgery on his neck, I think it was. Is that correct? It was his neck. And I thought that they were definitely leading toward a Jason Jordan-Seth Rollins match for WrestleMania. And I was for that. I liked that match. That was a match that, of course, it benefits Jason Jordan because that's a that's a high-profile opponent for him. It's a, a match that makes sense to happen as well, which helps Jordan and helps the be- believability for the audience. And I think it gives Rollins a good match that doesn't feel like it's just a match. Nor is it a shitty gimmick match like him wrestling Triple H again or wrestling Shane or something stupid. I think that Seth Rollins versus Jason Jordan would have been an excellent WrestleMania match. Um, you know, uh, what? what is it now? Kurt Angle? Does Kurt Angle step in to his son, quote-unquote his son's role here? Does Kurt Angle uh, plead the case uh, on behalf of his son and, and, and take up a feud, start a feud with Seth Rollins directly that actually results in them having a match? I'm, I'm not opposed to that either. I think that's much better than some of the stuff being uh, uh, talked about for Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. So there might be some validity to having Rollins take on Jordan at WrestleMania, especially now that Jordan is injured and now Seth Rollins is involved in the Elimination Chamber match. Um, so it could be like, oh shit, uh, <laughs> we got to make Seth Rollins a singles guy like right this second and get him involved with something. Otherwise... Well, nothing for him at WrestleMania. So, I mean, it, it does kind of seem that way. It, it's always unfortunate when people get injured, obviously. Um, more so, I feel bad for the writers who have this, like, set plan. Like, all right, here's what you do for the next six months. And then, like, someone gets hurt. Then it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. What do we do? <laughs> and so, but, I mean, you, you, they do the best they can. Rollins can have a good match with anyone. You know, at the very least, it would be a good match. It might not mean anything, but... It'll be a good match. And I, 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 I'm I, tired of seeing Seth Rollins as a tag team person. I'm, I'm actually ready to see him return to singles competition. So I'm happy about it. Me too. Right. Again, unfortunate for Jason Jordan. Um, if there was a master plan, like, I know pe- people hate him now, but when this happens, oh, man. Um, and hopefully that still happens or... I don't know, some sort of resolution, obviously, with him being uh, Angle's son. They're not going to just drop it. He's not going to just come back one day and be like, well, it's Jason Jordan. His father is uh, Bill Jordan. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so, it, obviously, yeah. it's going to delay the plan for him, but, you know, it, they'll, they'll figure it out. So, anyway, Jason Jordan, come back when you can and all that stuff. Regardless of what those gentlemen have booked on their wrestling card for WrestleMania this April, We are going to see some changes after WrestleMania. It is being reported that the WWE says, oops, and the single-branded pay-per-views are going the way of the dodo. We are seeing a return of co-branded pay-per-views from pillar to post. All of them, all of these pay-per-views or network specials, will now be presented by both Raw and SmackDown and feature matches with superstars from both brands. And to that, I say, ugh, and probably a good idea. Right. I can see where it's a good business decision in that 
fans really weren't digging having multiple network exclusive slash pay-per-views a month. Um, but it is it is bad because the talent's going to suffer because you see these these uh, co-branded pay-per-view cards like it's it's already cramped with talent and like there there's no mid card to under like anywhere there's no spots for them and this just means the IC championship will be defended less by the way um, <laughs> and which which by the way it's, it's speaking that. of that Miz is going into the elimination chamber with the IC belt. Which means, again, IC title will not be defended at the pay-per-view, Darren. Why even give it to him at this point? I understand your frustration. Well, one thing is, uh, you're absolutely right about talent maybe suffering. Maybe not, though, because the, uh, the, the further talk is that not only are all of the network specials now returning to being uh, presented by both brands, but they're all being advertised as four hours. So the three-hour pay-per-view is now tentatively the four-hour network special. And as we well know, the big four, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series, run anywhere from five to seven and a half hours. So if you want a spot on the card, I think you can get one. Hmm, that's interesting. They'll they'll increase ticket prices up just that little bit, just a quarter more, <laughs> and get some of their money too for it. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Um. Well, I mean, yeah, it's 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 the right call. Ultimately, wrestling's already getting a little saturated because there's so much of it. You don't want to. It, it's like it's like comic book movies, right? You you, you don't want to saturate the market so people are just sick of comic book movies too late yeah well um but um so yeah you you need to kind of just and and you need to hone it and just do your one a month you know that you've been doing um two again i i, I see why they wanted to do two a month uh the you know keep up the whole like no there's two brands we're competing which just you know stop it um <laughs> that's just that's that's complete bullshit but um so yeah no i, I understand why they're doing it and I, I think it's the right call to make so we'll be seeing a lot less WWE on your TV. However, there's still some great independent wrestling out there for you to watch, folks. Uh, many ways you can watch it, of course. But uh, what better way than to see it live? And Darren Beasley, my good friend, my co-host, my compadre, my former roommate for a, a short while, uh, he got a chance to see Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2, Electric Boogaloo, Live and in person in St. Augustine, Darren is going to tell you all about it. It's Fest Wrestling. It's Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo. It is a two-night tournament, also featuring several marquee singles matches, a special six-person tag, and the end of night two is the much-anticipated Fest Wrestling World Championship match so much wrestling, and here on episode 74 of The Whole Reffin Show, we are going to talk about night one of Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo, the Battle for the Love Cup. We're going to talk about the opening round of the Battle for the Love Cup. We're going to talk about Friday, February 9th, from St. Augustine Amphitheater in St. Augustine, Florida, by the water, 
lots of fun, lots of fans, lots of screaming, and lots of amazing independent wrestling by punks for everyone. I was there. I wish you had been there, Perry. But let me take the opportunity to say, because I was lambasted by our real-life close friend, uh, hashtag dear listener and friend of the show, Jared Hill, when apparently I made the comment about the fact that I was glad you were going to be joining me at WrestleMania so I did not have to sit by myself, <laughs> when, at no, when at no point was I ever in any danger of actually sitting by myself, as in by myself, by myself, because I had every intention of having Jared Hill by my side, when all I meant when I said that on the broadcast was that I would be by myself without my broadcast partner, Perry Smith, by my side. But lest we hurt his little feelings, let me say that you will be joining Jared and I, and hopefully also our dear friend John Bring, at WrestleMania. And let me say that though I was without you at Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2, I was not alone as Jared Hill was with me. Nice. So I'm glad I'm glad Jared was with you and uh, that that's very cool. I um I was kind of depressed those two days cuz I was not there. I was stuck here in Los Angeles where I, I reside now. Um and it was kind of like it was kind of like my friends went to Disneyland without me. Um it, it was it was very which has happened by the way. Um, you, you, and no. you, and actually, no, no, you and Jared and John have gone to Disney World without me before. Um, uh, and, and you and Jared and John have gone to Disney World without me. Oh, turnabout is fair play, I would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was sad because I'm seeing I'm seeing all these uh, all these like you know comments on Twitter and pictures on Instagram and all these posts and stuff about you know things going on and matches happening that I've been talking about for a month. And it's just like, oh, but I'm not there. No good. Like, I, I, it did feel like I was abandoned. And like, how can they have Christmas without me? Kind of a thing. Um, so I don't appreciate Fest Wrestling for having, quote, Christmas without me. Um, yeah. But I guess they'll make well, it up you... to me in Christmas in July. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say you were missed, uh, not just by myself, but uh, by a lot of those uh, a lot of our dear Fest Wrestling family, Aww. a lot of our Fest family was very curious where Perry Smith was. Well, I will say this. Damn, I guess it's because it's by the water, but it is a misty mess down in St. Augustine. Both times we have seen Fest Wrestling there, it is just uh, an ocean breeze. It is, it's an incredible mist. Not good for the lungs. Not, not great for the lungs. I haven't had much of a voice this week. Uh, I'm going to try and blame it mostly on the mist from St. Augustine, when the reality is I'm the dumbass who uh, can't stop screaming at Leon Scott and uh, <laughs> damaging my own vocal cords. So, so that one's on me. That one's on me. That one's on Leon me. for being so unlikable. Thank you. It was a lot of fun this uh, this weekend, and like I said, as far as the card goes, we're only really going to talk about night one on this episode, but I will say in, in terms of the entire weekend in general, uh, as always, Fest is family. Fest really is family. It's so good to see 
all of the familiar faces that are in the crowd, all of the familiar faces in the back. Fun talking to the boys, talking to uh, all the people that make Fest Wrestling happen. You know, a lot of spending a great deal of time picking the brain of Tony Weinbender, chatting away 19 and a dozen down at pub with Rich Bokini and Max Gregg. I mean, these are, talk, talk about like top-notch fellows. That's what Fest is. Tony Weinbender has surrounded himself with good people that know how to put on a show. It was a blast getting to talk with Sue Young uh, after not being able to really catch up with her for two or three shows now to be able to uh, to see her with her whole ref and show t-shirt. Uh, it was great to spend time with Effie and uh, it was an excellent, excellent weekend. But uh, let's get down to the action. I want to tell you all about the action that uh, you said, unfortunately, you were forced to uh, take in through Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I took so, it in through a, a nice sea mist. A nice sea mist. Uh, too bad you didn't have a, a nice Sierra mist uh, to watch the show with. So, yeah, so tell me and tell our listeners uh, about what went down in St. Augustine. Well, dear listeners, on night one... Were there gorillas? The were there gorillas in the mist? Yeah, there were. The gorillas of destiny... In the mist. Yes. Uh, I think if the Gorillas of Destiny were there, we might. It might be a shoe in as for who would win the uh, the battle for the Love Cup. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Gorillas of Destiny, pretty intense tag team, I will say. <laughs> I, I thought we were talking about the musical lack of the Gorillas. Uh, they were gonna be. No, those are cartoons, Perry. Okay. Okay. And I'm not talking about listening to uh, songs in your automobile. Not those kind of cartoons. <laughs> uh, so tell us about Fest Night One, my friend. On Night One in St. Augustine at the Battle for the Love Cup at Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo, Fest Wrestling brought us the opening match of the evening, Capital Vices versus the Gym Nasty Boys. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. When I hear back that ass up, come through those speakers, and I see the tag team of Timmy Lou Retton. Timmy Lou Retton. And White Mike with his lovely, wonderful, magnificent mustache. When these guys come out and they absolutely flip around and fly around like it does not appear they will be capable of doing so, I... I've never been more uh, amazingly impressed with uh, with the feats of athleticism as well as humor. These dudes exude humor. These they ooze humor. Yeah, the uh, the, the music's great. That that should not be anyone's entrance music uh, for anything. <laughs> It fits so. We, we talked about this before with Shane Strickland's uh, coming out of Shaka Khan. That song should not work for uh, for for entrance music, but it works for him perfectly. This song works so well for the Gymnasty Boys, and I love I love that it kind of it has that little bit of an intro to it where it sounds like it could just be any theme or like right. some kind of wrestling theme, and then it just goes into back that ass up. Um, and it, it works so fucking well too. And like you were saying about them, we, we said it before on the show, they look like two guys who could not pull off the incredible feats of athleticism and incredible wrestling they're capable of. 
and, and that's that's kind of one of their strengths is they're so deceptive. Like you you wouldn't ex- you would kind of take them lightly if you were their opponents, but then you would be just surprised when Timmy Loretton does like a fucking like a, a, a fucking split out of nowhere and does like a four fifty or whatever. Like it's it's pretty crazy. So I've I always enjoy watching gymnasty boys wrestle, and I laugh my ass off too. So. So the Gymnasty Boys are set to take on Capital Vices, the team that if you listened last week, we talked about, honestly, you, me, and Rich Bokini, we talked about, well, we don't really know much about these guys. Sin, money, who's who, what's their deal, what's their, you know, what's with the get up, where are they really from, What, what what's going on here? Well, this would be the first, but not the last time, that my mustache came into play as the uh, one half of Capital Vices, and only one half of Capital Vices, came out of the entranceway, uh, and the man has a mustache very similar to mine. So he eyeballed me and made a beeline for me where he uh, proceeded to twist the end of his mustache while comparing it to mine. At that point, however, it became very clear he was out there by himself, and he began to shout uh, after his partner. I believe he was saying Chris. So Chris, the name Chris, I believe, short for Christopher or Christian, perhaps. Uh, definitely not sin or money. Okay. But uh, apparently Chris, whoever Chris may be, was missing from this equation. And that left the uh, mustachioed gentleman in the ring uh, one, outnumbered by the Gymnasty Boys, and two, distracted uh, by uh, yelling after his partner for the duration of the match. And as a result, the duration, not real long. Now, uh, it's a gimmick where he is, you know, it's clearly a gimmick. Where is he? Where is Chris? Um, nevertheless, Gymnasties make short work of the outmatched uh, Capital Vice member hit him uh, with everything is double teamed. Everything is double teamed. <laughs> and the Gymnasties win with a tag team code breaker. And that is that. They are moving on in the battle for the Love Cup. So, so sorry, Capital Vices. Quick work by one of Fest favorites, uh, the Gymnasty Boys. It's hard enough to fight out the Gymnasty Boys when you are two. Uh, when you are one, I-, I would dare say it would be impossible Unless you are Braun Strowman versus the Gymnasty Boys, which I would pay lots of money to watch that match. <laughs> so would I. Talk about WrestleMania dream matches. <laughs> They'd do it. You know they would. Up next in St. Augustine here on night one of Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo. In another bracket match in the tournament the battle for the love cup we have another tag team match we have awakened the team of leon scott and wolf taylor they were scheduled to take on tnt tnt unfortunately met with some injury some unfortunate injury not one of those fortunate injuries (laughs) right a rather unfortunate injury that would preclude them from being able to make their fest wrestling debut. So who steps in? Recently, new additions to Fest family, high profile, out of nowhere. Talk about RKO out of nowhere. Hashtag high profile out of nowhere. Hashtag Waffle House out of nowhere. Hashtag 
scattered, smothered, covered out of nowhere, high profile taking on Awaken. And you know, uh, there's some small guys. They are small, and Leon Scott looks like Braun Strowman next to them. I was going to say, I think it's more that Leon Scott is just kind of a a big individual. I mean, I I go to these shows, and I'm a big guy. You're a big guy. We're bigger than 90% of the people that wrestle. Um, I remember remember you and I, we went to see an NXT house show uh, in probably Ocala, and we went to like a Circle K, and basically everyone who wrestled was there, and I'm I'm in line behind like six dudes. I'm behind like Killian Dane. I'm behind Alexander Wolfe and and uh, uh, Eric Young and several of the people. And I'm a head taller than all of them. Killian Dane's supposed to be this monster, and and I am huge next to him. And I was like, I should have been a wrestler. Um, but so yeah, it's, I know. Isn't that isn't that thoroughly discouraging? It is. It is. If I can go back ten years. I probably still wouldn't do it because there's a lot of working out you got to do. But uh, <laughs> I, I would I would ponder the notion. But no, Leon Scott's a big guy. I mean, he he looks like a wrestler. But here's the thing about the high profile guys: these guys have motors that just won't quit. This is high speed action out of these two waffle bepantsed uh, gentlemen. And uh, they are quite an interesting tag team. Uh, Wolf Taylor got a little violent with me before the match, slapped the shit out of my hand. I thought I was going to have to, like, you know, get my wrist taped afterward. I was like, man, somebody's been hanging and banging in the gym, Wolfie. Well, what's with that? The last time we were there when we were very politely booing and turning our back and flipping off Awaken, Leon Scott yanked the hoodie off my head, which I did not appreciate uh, it was very chilly that night. <laughs> um, so well, yeah, night, Awaken like, does not like us, man. Awaken does not like us. And, and very quickly back on high profile, they got to be—they're pretty happy that they were involved, considering they lost their match to Dakota, which was a qualifier for the Love Cup. So this was this was second chance, man. Second chance. That's right. The, these guys—they got a one up. Leon, uh, Leon Scott, huffing and puffing like the big bad wolf. Uh, high profile, they look like they're just puffing. And I don't mean the bird, if, if, if you catch my drift. Uh, there are some painful-looking ring apron spots. Uh, and Shay Shay takes a beating. And boy, does he take a beating. For most of this match... He is tossed around like a dead flounder by Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor. Not even uh, a live flounder. He's a dead fish. A dead flounder, right. Wolf, though. Wolf Taylor showing out. Um, lately, we've seen, uh, the past few shows, we've seen Wolf kind of playing uh, a distant second to Leon's bossiness. But Wolf is every bit as much of an ass kicker in this match as Leon Scott, Wolf really showed out. Um, Shay finally, finally manages to hit a DDT on Leon. And then, of course, a uh, hot tag back and forth, uh, but two big power bombs by Leon gets the victory for Awaken. And high profile, they are sent packing. They had two chances. They fell short twice, but Fest Family. 
best families uh, dining at the Waffle House. I will say uh, you can count on that. High profile, very well received by the Fest Wrestling crowd, and uh, I think they'll be back. They're in, man. I think people enjoy them. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, if you're at two shows, you're kind of in, right, it seems at this point? Oh, for sure. No, I definitely think so. And uh, thanks to the what is an unfortunate reality for TNT is a benefit for high profile. But the battle for the Love Cup continues. Next, we have another tag team match in this bracket, the Metro Brothers. Hailing from Coney Island, looking like a couple of street toughs. I believe you called them last week. (laughs) The leather jackets, the white t-shirts, the Levi's, the sunglasses, the greasy hair. There's some greasers. Tell me they came out to like West Side Story music and they were like snapping on the way to the ring. I don't think it was that, but uh, they are... making it pretty clear right away. Cause at first, you know, they're coming out. I'm like, I, I, do I cheer them? Do I boo them? I mean, there's nothing naturally, <laughs> nat- nothing naturally despicable about greasers, nor is there anything naturally lovable about them. So if SC Hinton taught us anything, it's that, you know, the outsiders, you know, they're, they're the cool, they're greasers, the socias, man, the socias are the bad guys. Now, that is true. That is true. The only thing is, Carlina Gore and Saeed Al-Sabah, they're not socias. Oh, so, no. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the measuring stick uh, is here. But the Metro Brothers make it pretty clear, pretty quickly, that they are mean, mad men. And that they are <laughs> not happy to be here in the South in front of a bunch of punks. Because, A, we're from Coney Island. We're walking here. (laughs) The Metro Brothers definitely working a heel gimmick and taking on the fire-breathing, white-eyed, spooky demon mistress, Carlina Gore, and the son of the eighth day, Saeed Al-Sabah. An unlikely pairing. Very excited to see them together. They've uh, both performed magnificently on an individual basis. And Carlina and Sabah together, excellent, excellent pairing. So, while the Metros are healing it up, they also dominate most of this match. Um, I was surprised. Uh, It it looks good because, I mean, like, these guys don't look the same from the neck up necessarily, but with the matching gear, uh, they might as well be twins. And, you know, when you have, like, a twin-like heel team that physically dominates a match... It's it's a spectacle. It's and, queen uh, magic, as Jim Ross would say. Yeah. So are, are they are they doing like like uh, bushwhacker uh, offense basically, where they're switching in and out? And even, even well, though again the bushwhackers were never are not twins, they, they look nothing alike. <laughs> but somehow they could get away with switching in and out. They're not even brothers. In fact, they're cousins, as they as as they constantly remind us. <laughs> yes. So, uh, the the Metro Brothers dominate most of this match, but Carlina Gore hits a double splash on the Metro Brothers, and then Saeed Al-Sabah hits this insane twisting plancha over the top rope. Doesn't touch the rope. Nothing but net. All air. Air Sabah. This plancha to the outside, hitting both of the Metro's and the cement, uh, or at least driving the metros into the cement, it was beautiful. 
beautiful. B E A beautiful. Saeed Al Sabah. Every every show, like I get more and more impressed by him. Um, he this this dude's got lots and lots of talent, and I think he's getting more comfortable with, with like the fest space and the fest ring and the fest audience and all that stuff. So I think he's just getting better and better and better. And same with Carlina Gore. I mean, this is what her third outing at fest wrestling. So yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, and she's uh, she's doing better and better. And yeah, I mean, it's sad just. Just seems like the sky's the limit for these two here at Fist Wrestling. Well, Sabah gets the victory for his team with a DDT on one of the Metro brothers. And uh, Carlina Gore and Saeed Al-Sabah move on. Their sights are set on that Love Cup. Now, our follow-up match is outside of the tournament. This is a singles match between two individuals who are incredibly gifted inside the squared circle, and that is where their likenesses end. MJF takes on Matt Cross. Now, MJF couldn't be more angry to be in front of a bunch of Southerners, couldn't be more angry to be in front of a bunch of Floridians, couldn't be more angry to be in front of a bunch of punks, and punk-fueled wrestling fans. Matt Cross, perfectly at home. Matt Cross, fest family, you know, ride or die. That's for damn sure. So this is, uh, this is a, a clash, a major clash of styles, a clash of interests. MJF is trying to talk on the microphone, and I do mean trying. He is booed incessantly. This goes on for minutes, not seconds, minutes, where MJF can't say anything. He eventually just starts talking anyway. He realizes, <laughs> I think he realized, you know, the man, whatever you want to say, because like, like Rich told us, there is no gimmick. He's not working a gimmick. He's not even living a gimmick. MJF is MJF, and while he's on the microphone, I think he realized he was never going to get the crowd to stop booing, so he might as well just start talking, and he does. He makes some very, very unfriendly comments to the ring announcer, friend of the show, Charles Volker, but the thing about MJF is right in the middle of all of the harsh, heinous, unwelcome things coming out of his mouth, you find yourself mesmerized by how fast and crisp uh, his delivery is. This guy doesn't miss a beat. He is a hate-fueled, vitriol-spewing monster. This guy is not friendly. <laughs> I understand why Rich Bokini hates him. I think Rich Bokini uh, thinks that MJF has no need for the J. He's just an MF. Um, oh, oh holla. Um, Got him. Hey, MJF, give me that scoop. <laughs> I've always seen MJF uh, live it in color once, and that was at uh, Fest We Are Family. And uh, that's all I needed to see uh, because he is so hate-filled. He is a bad person. Did you say that you saw MJF on In Living Color? I did. He was a cast member on Living Color uh, for a very short time. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, 
talking, uh, you know, speaking about... <laughs> and so- other 90s references. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of so fast that we, we really are old here on the whole reference show, dear listeners, so forgive our, forgive our that age. That wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're talking about the 1950s music from earlier, which... <laughs> <laughs> that may date us a little bit more. Um, hey, I'd like to date us a little bit more. Oh, oh hello. <laughs> All right. Speaking of a presentation that is fast and crisp, that's Matt Cross in the wrestling ring. Holy shit. This dude, this is one of the best, I mean, maybe not the best Matt Cross match I've ever seen, but one of the best Matt Cross fest matches I've seen. The things that he pulled out, I, I've never seen anybody walk on the ropes, run up the ropes unassisted by his hands or another person. Uh, I've never seen anybody move uh, across the mat, across the ring, and on and around the ropes like Matt Cross does. At one point, he is on the top rope, and he cartwheels across the top rope, Perry. Like... Like, we all, yes, we're terribly impressed when The Undertaker or someone, uh, you know, walks across the ropes. We should be. And with The Undertaker, we particularly should be because he's a giant. But The Undertaker has never done a cartwheel across the top ropes. That that right Matt there, Cross has. That right there is some legit uh, Aki Man from WCW NWO Revenge N64 shit right there. Yes, it is. Uh, that, that That's insane. And I hate talking about Matt Cross because it's exhausting. Because there's so many good things I have to say about Matt Cross. Um, it's Every match he puts on is just phenomenal. It's five star. I don't think he cares how big the audience is or who he's wrestling. He's going to go out there and he's going to give you the best he's got. And you have to appreciate wrestlers who do that. Um, so Matt Cross is just one of those guys. I, I think he's just one of those indie greats of all time. Um, and um, it, it's always a pleasure to watch him work. I completely agree. It is part of that punk rock mentality that he has absolutely to his core, that DIY ethos. Uh, that That's who Matt Cross is. And that's absolutely why he does what he does in front of an enormous crowd, a small crowd, a televised crowd, whether he's wrestling under a mask, whether it's at fest, whether it's in a scramble, a tag, a singles match. The guy comes to perform and perform. He does. Like uh, like you said, I, it's exhausting. I can sit here and list every move that he did, but I, I couldn't type them into my phone fast enough to remember. So all I remember... <laughs> is the whirling dervish that was Matt Cross on this night. And though MJF did put up a good fight, and there were some points at which these two men, who are very capable of some flippy, twisty stuff, they found themselves (laughs) absolutely in a slobber knocker, trading blows that, uh, that made me want to clench my jaw and say, damn it, man. And, uh, uh, in the end though, Matt Cross wins going back to the aerial maneuvers with a shooting star press. Nice. And that is it for MJF. MJF is stunned by his loss. He's ready to get the hell out of Dodge. And by Dodge, I mean Fest Wrestling. And uh, he would not show his face the following night in Gainesville. So Matt Cross uh, 
put that uh, nasty son of a bitch to bed. <laughs> nice. And then Los Murmurs take the stage, the big stage there at the St. Augustine Amphitheater, and we have the ska, punk, surf, reggae, rockabilly band of luchadors uh, who are wailing on their instruments, that beautiful, deep-throated organ and that incredible bass riffing uh, and, and drumming beat that drives Los Murmurs. Uh, a really incredible sound. It's such an excellent backdrop uh, for an intermission. You can go over and get you something from the Spork food truck. Uh, you can go have a seat in the uh, lovely chairs provided at the amphitheater because you're, by God, going to spend the rest of the show on your feet screaming, fast, fast, fast. But this will give you a chance to take a load off and enjoy Los Murmurs and their musical stylings. Food car food? Did you get, uh, what'd you get last time? You got like uh, like beans and franks or something like that? Well, I did not get beans and franks. Uh, <laughs> Okay. I am not a I am not a toddler at a uh, pre-K, uh, so no, I did not get beans and franks. You wouldn't eat beans and franks right now, because I would eat beans and franks right now. I would. I'm just saying I didn't. Okay. All right, but at my house where I operate a pre-K, that's all we eat is beans and franks. Okay. Okay. And we all we drink is orange high C. Mm-hmm. And what are those? What are those knockoff Oreos called? Uh, Hydrox. My 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 dad only ever bought Hydrox. We only ever had Hydrox in the house. I think looking back, my dad bought the the knockoffs of like everything. So I had like RC Cola and all and like that and like Hydrox. And I was like, they're they're Oreo. They're not. These aren't Oreos. I was a kid and I was so confused. I was like. They're gonna get in trouble. Mr. Oreo's gonna gonna find out. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you one thing. There, there is a there is a big difference between Hydrox cookies and Oreo cookies, and that difference is taste, my friends. There is no substitute for an Oreo cookie, uh, especially if that substitute sounds like a chemical that you do not <laughs> want to uh, put in your body. Right. You want Oreos, or do you want Rat Killer? <laughs> I'll have the rat killer, please. Oh no, that rat killer though. Um, so do they still like I like I I've seen like um oh God, what's it called? Like uh, uh this is this is killer. This is we're gonna get so many sponsors with this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we we might not get Hydrox. They might not start supporting the show. <laughs> Hey, we heard those. We heard that whole reffing show. They called our cookies Rat Killer. Let's sign them up. <laughs> we we assume now, it, it's some it's some exec who's is like like from the Ozarks. <laughs> hey! yeah. he's an old prospect. <laughs> oh God, bless him. Now my, my dad stopped buying those, so I'm pretty sure the company closed uh, its doors. <laughs> my dad was single handedly supporting him. No, but but in all seriousness, uh, high C. Um, do they still like sell high C like in the little boxes? I don't see why not. C- it, it seems like Ecto Cooler shows up every now and again, so I'm gonna say yes, high C still exists. Okay, I know it does. Like at a, at a soda fountain, you can get it at a soda fountain. Right. There's there's a red one that's like 
sure to give you pre-diabetes. Um, <laughs> but like, where can we find this fine product, Darren? <laughs> right next to the rat killer. <laughs> All right, so Hydrox, I see. Put them on the list of never going to sponsor us ever. Yes. Hydrox, High C, other things that will never be on the whole reference show. Back into the Love Cup brackets, right in the middle of the tournament. Things are getting interesting. The Coda making their second Fest wrestling appearance are taking on what have to be undeniably the Fest favorite tag team of the Ugly Ducklings. Ducks fly together which means Rob Killjoy, Lance Lude, and Coach Mikey are flying to the ring at the St. Augustine Amphitheater in St. Augustine, Florida on this night one of Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo. And they're taking on Coda, hashtag demon shit. Caden Green, again, total Rob Zombie inspired. Ronnie Rios, Ronnie Rios is a beautiful man. He needs to leave the makeup off his face and be a damn model. Like, he has <laughs> eyelashes that'll make you fall in love. What's, I mean... Hashtag demon shit, Darren. He, he has to, he has, he has got to mess it up. You know, he can't, uh, he can't go out there as a baby face. Not a good guy, but as uh, a, a nice-looking young man. True, true that. Oh, leave it to the demons. They ruin everything. Yeah, blame it on the demons. You know, the Coda, they really are, they, they, they do a good job of playing these, like, spooky heels. They, they really have an intimidating look, and, and, they, and they definitely have a size advantage, too, here on the Ducks. Uh, when they stand across the ring from each other, uh, there is that feeling that uh, Green and Rios are just these, these monstrous-type entities taking on what seemed like a, you know, a happy-go-lucky pair of uh, wacky ducks and uh but you know again ducks fly together and by fly they mean fly all over a wrestling ring yes they uh, do yeah there's some back and forth stuff and then like mikey uh th there's a bit where mikey gets possessed like ha again hashtag demon shit i i don't <laughs> i didn't quite gather all of the details of this spot, but uh, <laughs> I guess there was a, a, a spell cast on Coach Mikey, and he begins to lumber about like a zombie going after his own uh, charges, Rob Killjoy and Lance Loop. Interesting. Uh, but the ducks quack enough to snap to snap Coach Mikey out of it. <laughs> yes. Before he clobbers them, because I believe he could clobber them, but good. If, uh, if he ever found himself in uh, that unfortunate position. This looks like a fight. You know, that really looks like a fight. Uh, like, there's some intensity intensities live at Budokan, uh, bad blood uh, a brewing here. Like, these, these guys are taking it to each other. They're, they're taking it to the streets, even. Um, it, it really comes across as a good, long, even fight. And uh, the Ducks win, though, with the Ducks Day device. The Coda are not going to go two for two in their fest back-to-back uh, -back debuts. They will win 
at the last show to qualify for this tournament, but they will make an exit, a not-so-graceful exit in defeat from the Love Cup tournament. Ducks move on. Ducks move on. Uh, obviously, I mean, I, I, I enjoy watching Lakota. Watched them wrestle the last show. Thought they uh, they got some promise, these these youngsters. Um, but, I mean, the Ducks are like, I've it's... It's hard to find a tag team that gels better than the Ducks, and then and then you know on top of that, Coach Mikey, which is the ultimate coach, not a manager. We found out on our interview uh, with, the, with the Ugly Ducklings and Coach Mikey. Um, so I mean, when you have Coach Mikey who is just feeding them that energy throughout the match, and you know Coach Mikey's energy is so infectious, how could you not be quacking along with this this giant maniac? Um, <laughs> to, to fuel his charges, as you say, the the little ducks, uh, Rob Kiljoy and Lance Lude, which I mean, th- those two guys are just super talented and super athletic, and it's I'm I'm always amazed by the ducks. I mean, kind of like we're talking about Matt Cross, where it's like, God, it's so amazing. He does this and this and this, and I could say the same things about the the ducks. So, ugly ducklings, they move on. It's it's not a surprise again, like. At this point, and I, I said it at the we we all kind of said it going into it. We're talking about this whole thing with Rich Bokini. Like we're pretty sure the Ducks have got this in the Ag Bay, uh, the bag for those who don't speak Pig Latin or have never seen a Bugs Bunny cartoon in their life. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Ducks will move on, and by virtue of the fact that Tech, three equally charming heterosexuals, or will it only be two? Will it only be two equally charming heterosexuals? By virtue of their buy in the first round of the Battle for the Love Cup, the Ducks will move on to face Tech on night two in Gainesville, Florida. And we will talk about that next week. Talk about that matchup next week. But in St. Augustine, there is still one more tournament matchup, and that is the team of Pop culture jason cade and veda scott or is it no (laughs) in fact that's leva bates dressed up like veda scott very nice she's got the uh, very high-waisted lime green plaid skirt the messy red hair and uh i'd like to know what veda thinks of this particular cosplay out of Leva because there's a lot of uh, rather hilarious uh, body language satire that we get to see out of Leva Bates' performance uh, alongside Jason Cade. That's very cool because I I do notice that whenever Leva Bates does cosplay, she goes all in. She doesn't just dress up like him and go, oh, but I'm still Leva Bates. Like, I mean, when she dressed up like Sandman, she, you know, crushed beers on her head came out from the audience and, you know, wallet people with the kendo stick. And I mean, like she, she goes all the way. She didn't, she doesn't just dress the part. I mean, she acts the part. So I appreciate the commitment on Leva Bates part. Um, the only thing that could have made that better. I saw pictures and it looked great. The only thing that could have made that better is if Leva Bates came out dressed up as Jason Cade and Jason Cade was dressed up as Beta Scott. Yeah, that would have been pretty, uh, that would have been pretty extraordinary. But I don't know that anybody was playing Veda Scott better on this night than Leva Bates did. Now, they were set to take on Shane Strickland and Angel Rose 
But Angel Rose, bless her heart, where is she? Not in St. Augustine, that's for sure. Shane Strickland, I guess, poor fella, draws a short straw, ends up with a last-minute mystery partner, a man by the name of Adrian Alanis, not Adrian Adonis, <laughs> not, Al- not Alanis Morissette. Oh, man. No. Adrian Alanis. Um, I put in my notes here with no disrespect to the man. I called him Rhino Reigns. Um, <laughs> does, does that uh, bear explanation? Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, but go ahead, Darren. Go ahead. Exactly. No, it absolutely requires no explanation. Adrian Alanis looking like a regular Rhino Reigns. Um, physical <laughs> specimen. I mean, the guy was impressive looking and he could move. For a big man, there was a lot of speed and agility here. I think he made a really excellent tag partner for Shane Strickland. Uh, you know, Shane Strickland is, is deceptively tall. Um, you don't think about how big Shane Strickland really is compared to some of the people that he wrestles against. But uh, he's a tall dude, and then next to another tall dude, uh, I thought they made a, a particularly sharp-looking uh, tag team here. Alanis, again, all his moves were were strong, tight, very crisp. Um, You know, the king of swerve, super slick, as always. Not just his style, not just his gimmick. uh, Every move that he makes, inside and outside the ring. Every breath he takes, we'll be watching him. (laughs) That's for sure, every move he makes. Every step he takes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Eventually, Strickland and Alanis get to a point where they're just manhandling pop culture they really are um and they and and they win it's really a lopsided affair uh but after the bell jason cade loses his 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 marbles his cookies whatever demolishes (laughs) never ever have i heard of someone losing their cookies so (laughs) that that, that was not going to be an answer darren just so you know uh, guys, losing his cookies over there. Someone call the cops. <laughs> well, on this night, Jason Cade lost his cookies. Great. Now, now that that's going to be a thing. People are going to say that someone's losing their cookies just to spite me. <laughs> Hashtag losing his cookies. Come on. Dear oh, listeners, don't. ground swell, grassroots. No, none of that. Homegrown. <laughs> Cookie swell. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's exactly the moment that uh, Jason Cade loses his cookies that he demolishes the ankle of Adrian Alanis with a chair repeatedly. Demolishes it. And uh, I was trying to figure out what exactly that meant. It was... It was pregnant with intention that was that was for sure interesting and and uh i i don't know that there was as much uh payoff i don't know if anybody delivered that particular pregnancy but uh on that moment it was a it was a move it was a it was a it was a movement it was a it was a happening so i started to think what does this really mean for the next night is shane strickland gonna go into the next night, as the victor, but without a partner, has Alanis just been taken out? What for Cade? What for Bates? Is Leva Bates? I mean, as far as we know, that's Veda Scott. So Leva Bates 
You know, what happens here? Does Leva Bates tag with Strickland on night two? Is she Veda Scott all over again? Are we going to see Leva Bates at all in Gainesville? Uh, you know, in this match, uh, we certainly got to see a lot of her. Um, and again, it's really funny with that red wig sort of covering up her eyes. You find yourself forgetting, again, because of the, the total commitment that Bates puts in on these performances, you forget that it's not Veda Scott. If you're sitting or standing far enough away, you, you probably wouldn't even notice that, that it's not Veda Scott there, right? I imagine... No, that's exactly my point. They, yeah. they don't have they don't have a Titan Tron, you know, showing you what's going on for those who are sitting way way out in the audience. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. Um, if if someone if someone didn't even follow uh, Fest Wrestling or Indie Wrestling as like hardcore as like we do, that they're, they're not on Twitter, you know, what have you, and they kind of just showed up to shows. And they'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, that guy's with that redheaded girl. So, yeah, th- 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 that's her. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, would be, it would be that much of a switcheroo. You're absolutely right. So, uh, this match kind of left me with more questions than answers. So, I was very uh, anxious to see just exactly what we would see out of these four individuals. Leva Bates, Jason Cade, Adrian Alanis, and Shane Strickland on night two. And that means that all that was remaining on the card that night was the main event of the evening. A six-person tag match. Team Effie versus Team Sue. This is the appetizer. The, 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 the palate cleanser. The, 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 the wetting of the taste buds for... Night two's main event for the Fest Wrestling World Championship. Now, now I said the same thing on the re- on the preview episode going into this, and you, you jumped all over me for calling this an appetizer to the main event of the next night, if you recall correctly. Fair is fair, Darren. Fair is fair, right? You were like that, that. That's like that's like having a buffet before your buffet or something like that. I, I forget what the example was, but... Okay, well, all right. Now you basically said I was right and you were wrong just now by saying that. Anywho, continue. I didn't I didn't mean that you were wrong. Remember I said this is what it's like to be part of Fest Family, is that you get uh, Thanksgiving dinner as your appetizer for Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe that was it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nevertheless, it is... Uh, an eyeful, a mouthful, a heartful, a brainful. So much, uh, so much that Fest Wrestling is is, is going to give uh, the Fest family on this night and the following night. And in this main event, on the side of Effie, is Beastly and Ariel Monroe. This is a bitchin' team. I'm just going to say... Effie, ever since last year's Love Cup, ever since Effie loves Beastly, these guys go together somehow like peas and carrots or like peanut butter and chocolate. Like there's something about Effie standing next to Beastly. Uh, of course, Beastly's on a leash. Of course. Uh, and Effie is, is holding that leash. But there's something pretty special about this team. I don't know. I don't even know what it. I mean, there is no comparison. I would compare it to something, except there is no comparison. And Ariel Monroe, what a really killer uh, addition to this team with her green mohawk and her incredible physique. She stands uh, alongside Effie and Beastly 
uh, like, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, meat machine right out of Mad Max. Like she's about to devastate anyone that uh, goes toe-to-toe with her in a wrestling ring. I've, I've never seen Ariel Monroe wrestle, um, and that continues because I was not at this show. But I have seen pictures of her, and I, this pic, the picture of her showed up, you know, like, you know, when Tony broke the news, like, Errol Monroe replacing Aria Blake, and I thought, like, man, she has just such a rad look. Like, just her look alone, like, would be enough to get her booked on a show, but, like, I mean, I've seen a couple of clips, and, I mean, she's she's got ability as well. And, and, and to go back very quickly to Beastly and Effie, I love that Fess has been around long enough that you, you kind of, there's continuity. You, you get the continuity that Effie and Beastly are kind of just friends, you know, in, in all kinds of situations. Teddy Sigma also part of that, though he's kind of out for a little while. Um, get well soon, Teddy. Um, so I, I, I really love the story. That is just ongoing. I, I love that it, it's, when it comes to fest wrestling, it's not like, okay, then you pin him, you beat him in the match, okay, you move on. And you never acknowledge you guys ever wrestled before, ever. Like it's it's not that. Like you you like we talked about with Leon Scott and Effie, like, well they had that match, the I quit match, you know, Leon said I quit, so that's it, they'll never see each other again in a wrestling ring. No. Like they're still involved in matches, still involved in angles and stuff like that. And I, I love the continuity, love that Beastly is with Effie, because you know what? Beastly loves Effie. Effie loves Beastly. Hey, absolutely. And guess what? The whole reference show loves Effie Loves Beastly. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I was very, uh, obviously, we are huge supporters of Effie, big fans of Effie, uh, good friends with Effie. And uh, like we've talked about many times uh, on the air, uh, what an interesting year and a half it has been as the whole reference show, Fest Wrestling, and Effie have sort of grown uh, along these parallel paths together. Um, and, and that's really, really cool. But Ariel Monroe being a part, uh, that was the big unknown for me. And she absolutely delivered. Then you look across the ring, and it might be one of the coolest, truly coolest tag, t- uh, tag teams I've ever seen. Six-man teams. Team Darkness, as I dubbed them. Yeah, Sue Young, The Undead Bride. Hell's favorite harlot, Priscilla Kelly, and Darby Allen. Oh my God. I mean, these three look so fucking cool together. I could hardly stand it. I, I mean, I just want to look at the, the three of them, like standing in the corner together or making their entrance together and just mark out. I mean, that that's it, it's. It's as simple as that. They are total markout worthy as far as uh, uh, an enti- uh, individual entities and as a group. These these are like the three kids that your parents always warned you about. Like never, never <laughs> hang around these kids. Um, if you see Darby Allen, Priscilla Kelly, and Sue Young, you turn, you walk away. They're they're born on the other side of the tracks. Um, that, that that's actually really that that's really true. Like these are the three kids. That when you're trick or treating in the neighborhood that's like two neighborhoods away from your neighborhood, right? And all of a sudden you realize, oh shit, this is their neighborhood. And like, <laughs> well, then most of the night you don't see them, and you're like, okay, it's all right, it's it's good, it's good. Let's just we'll keep riding our bicycles. Everything's good. I'm gonna eat my butterfinger. It's all you know. 
we're fine, we're in the clear, oh no, and then all of a sudden, Sue and Darby and Priscilla turn the corner on their bikes, and you are effed right in your A. (laughs) Precisely, yes. So, these two teams mix it up in the squared circle, in the St. Augustine Amphitheater, at the conclusion of Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2, and... This is a cool match. It is a fun match. It's all over the place. There's so much. There's so much a brewing between Effie and Sue that to see it's like tension, you know, cut with a knife, that whole shtick. You know, Beastly is wild. It is uh, just two months ago that in this very location, Beastly had his one-on-one shot uh, against Sue Young for her Fest Wrestling title. And Beastly hasn't forgotten that. Ariel Monroe, like I said, has come ready for a fight. Priscilla. Priscilla does not take kindly to Effie not taking kindly to Darby Allen. And Priscilla is like a wild woman. An absolute wild woman taking it to Effie. I was like, I thought Effie needed to be afraid of Sue, but he better watch his ass with Priscilla up in his grill. (laughs) I mean, between her slapping him in the face and, like, riding him to the ground, I was expecting Priscilla to walk out as the champion, even though that would make no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Darby Allen, as always, I think I said last week, it's like he is not wearing a seatbelt in an invisible car crash, and that's what it looks like as he moves around the ring. And uh, the who, who wins in that instance? The fans, always. Absolutely. I love to see Darby Allen destroy himself and others in the process. So with Darby Allen, Priscilla Kelly, and Sue Young, you have three reckless individuals who just want to hurt their opponent. Um, so I mean, like you said, you said this was a this was a pretty good fight. I'm sure it was a brawl. I'm sure it came to blows at several points. Uh, it was a brawl. Like I said, Priscilla was particularly nasty after Effie. Uh, gave Darby a little what's for. Uh, at one point, you know, everybody's going over the top rope. I know Effie is throwing people over the top rope. I mean, Effie is daddy. Effie is like man mountain Effie. Like, don't, don't forget, he is a big pile of gyro meat that it can kick your ass. Like, uh, you know, this, this is serious business. Uh, he doesn't come to play. Not that anybody came to play on this night, and that's what was so impressive. I guess there was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of playtime as uh, at one point a human centipede develops. I was going to ask about the human centipede. I saw the picture of human centipede, and I thought, okay, so all these wrestlers agreed. Okay, we'll do the human centipede spot. Also, poor Errol Monroe shows up and she's like, "Oh, fast wrestling! I heard great things. You want me to do to do what?" <laughs> Here, stick your face in someone's ass. <laughs> Please explain the the human centipede spot to uh, to to me how how this came to be. Well, first of all, uh, one might say this is the thing that should not be. <laughs> uh, and you, I don't know that you would be wrong if you thought that. Uh, like I said, Priscilla was just—I mean, she—you you thought for a second Priscilla had Effie's number. And uh, the way that she's choosing to take it out of his ass is uh, mouth first. I don't know. Like, at one point, Priscilla just drives her face 
into Effie's ass. And then next thing you know, Beastly is uh, providing the receipt. Uh, while Priscilla is still, uh, you know, nose deep in Effie, here comes Beastly to join in the train. Sue Young hops on Beastly's ass. Ariel Monroe gets in, joins in on the fun. And it's only when Darby Allen is like, hell no. <laughs> and, and, and flings himself all willy-nilly into the human centipede that it comes to a close. But, um... Yeah, that was an unexpe- a really unexpected spot. Um, I definitely didn't know what to make of it. Glad I was there to see it live. Don't know if I'll ever see anything like that again. <laughs> so, there you may- have it. Maybe for good reason you won't see that again. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was a very fun spot. I'm sure there were kids in the audience going like, what's happening? Well, if it's the same kids that... Uh, extended their middle fingers more often than I did, then maybe not. Those kids might have actually, some of those kids might have actually seen the human centipede, which I have not, (laughs) and will not, for uh, the record. Okay. But um, Well, you don't have to see it. You lived it, Darren, just now. That's true. That's true. One of the cool matchups, one of the very cool matchups during uh, this this six-person is when it ends up just being Sue and Ariel for a while. There's a, there's a slap fest right at the center of the ring. Uh, these ladies are roughly the same size. They couldn't possibly look more different, but they're roughly the same size, and they slap the bejesus out of one another. Uh, but then Sue runs to the corner, catches Ariel Monroe's head in between her ankles, and slams her into that top turnbuckle, a really killer move. We've seen it out of Sue before. And, uh, it, you know, it, it serves a, a great purpose for Sue in really knocking her, uh, the opponent senseless. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I get the feeling that Ariel and Sue are probably not strangers to one another. They probably have crossed paths several times or more um, in the uh, the indie scene. But it, it's cool. I mean, I, I envy you because you got to see all this very cool action Looking forward to this showing up on YouTube. And, of course, the benefit of the YouTube watch is you get that wonderful commentary with friends of the show, Max Gregg and Rich Bokini. Well, when you watch this match on YouTube, you will see the team of Sue Young, Darby Allen, and Priscilla Kelly leave with the victory for the night. The night ends with Team Darkness taking it to the house, taking the victory and taunting Effie with that Fest Wrestling title for at least one more night. So, that was the show that was. Perry, I'm so sorry you were not there. I had a blast. You'll be back. We'll do Fest. We'll do Fest pretty soon. We know that Fest will be coming back in March. They will be doing a show the week before WrestleMania this year, so we don't have that long three-month gap that we did in 2017. We will see the Hardcore Hunt at the end of March, the week before WrestleMania Fest Wrestling will return to Gainesville. But, dear listeners, this is not it for the weekend. There's a whole other night we are going to cover on this wrestling podcast, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Next week on episode 75, stay tuned You will hear 
all the gory details from night two of Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo. And we'll see if we can't wrangle someone, uh, a performer from Fest Wrestling, uh, and get his thoughts on the weekend as well. And uh, speaking of which, what are your thoughts, folks, about Fest Wrestling, about our headlines, about us as people? Don't say anything mean, please. Let us know on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. Uh, also, you can send us a Gmail at show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com, or... Or find us on Instagram at the whole Show. We are a strong unit. We fly together, much like the Ugly Ducklings there on Instagram. We love all the support that you guys give us. And we look forward to it continuing on Instagram at The Whole Refn Show. Ah, yes. Another episode in the vaults, Darren. Another week. Another episode. Which means next week, another episode. We'll talk about Night 2 of Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2, Electric Boogaloo. And I'm sure we'll have more wrestle news and wrestle views for you, hashtag dear listeners. Until then, my name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And we'll see you next week on the only wrestling podcast. Calls it right down the middle. The whole record show. Say goodbye, Darren. Goodbye, Darren. Goodbye, Darren.